Welcome to Highland Objects, podcasts that take you on a cultural tour of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Highland Objects or visit the website highlandobjects.wordpress.com. Podcast 27, The Illicit Whiskey Still. I'm Andrew Grant McKenzie, and I'm the Highland Historian. I run a business called Highland Historian Heritage Consultancy and Bespoke Tour Guiding, and that's a a self-employed business, um, and the reason I set that up is to um, allow me to develop um, through a lifelong expedition into Highland culture, and part of my interest is getting involved in lots of different projects. So that's the reason I'm here today, um, speaking to Derek Bratt. Hi, yes, I'm Derek Bratt. I'm a PhD student with the University of the Highlands and Islands. And my topic is a historical archaeology of whiskey distilling in the Highlands and Islands. And I have a special interest in illicit distilling, which is why I'm joining you for this podcast. So the project that we're talking about today is um, run by Ollipool Museum with support from Bodna Gaelic and also Highland Archaeology Services and also Historic Environment Scotland and the Forest Commission Scotland. This project is a phenomenal archaeological project and I think... All of the organisers of it would would certainly say themselves that this has grown arms and legs beyond which we could have ever imagined as it's developed. So far, there has been a nine-day walkover survey um, which has recorded a whole bunch of structures um, that up until this point aren't on the historic record. And that's very much thanks to Duncan Bain or Duncan McKenzie, who has ancestors that lived at the sites and has been going around this site for years and years and years and researching what he could into it as well. The walkover survey, as it went along, found more and more that Duncan didn't even know about. So this this has been just incredible. And it's opened up a huge research potential into the the way of life in the Umvalol and Balblair townships. So the, the name of the project itself is Lost Umvalol, a log Balavlair. And it's it's an incredibly important project. So I think you're going to tell us a little bit about the historical context of the particular find that we're going to talk about just now. I am, yeah. Perhaps your star find, uh, from my perspective anyway, is an illicit still situated above a set of shielings. The Highlands is covered in these illicit still sites, but they're incredibly poorly represented in the archaeological record. And and they arise out of a a very specific historical uh, circumstance. And that's got a a lot to do with this sort of period of improvement, if I'm allowed to borrow my comically oversized (laughs) inverted covers. But basically what happened was... Pre the 1780s, there was a rise in smuggling in the Highlands in all manner of articles. And the economy itself had been increasingly commercialised for over 200 years to uh, you know, an ever greater extent. Households in the Highlands had been allowed to distill in small stills right up until the 1780s. When so that really was for personal use, wasn't it? It, it was for personal use, uh, mainly. It was also for paying your rents, and mm-hmm. your landlords would often would sell that whiskey. But uh, there was also a uh, sale of, of whiskey. And really, when you hear early references to illicit whiskey, it was actually whiskey that had been made perfectly legally and was being sold illegally. And a lot of the time that happened in the home. Mm-hmm. But at uh, this point in 1784, we have the Wash Act, and this forces distilling underground it introduces a line which bisects the highlands and the lowlands. 
and across mm-hmm. this line it says illegal to transport whiskey. So at that time, I, I've read that um, there was approximately a thousand stills confiscated in the first year. And was that because it wasn't realised that it was suddenly illegal and that these practices were going on in the home, as you say, um, and then all of a sudden they were made illegal, but the word didn't quite get out? <laughs> uh, people were very much aware. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. They they depended on distilling for their income and uh, for their security. This is happening at a time when uh, people are starting to be moved through the landscape, when sheep farms are coming in, and life was becoming economically precarious. At the same time, landowners were desperate to retain people. It was uh, one of the cornerstones of their own political power was that they had uh, this body from which to recruit and a body who paid them rent. So that's almost the opposite of the clearances then, isn't it? <laughs> well, sort of, but it has its, uh, its genealogy and the same sort of uh, commercial and political drive. Absolutely. It's the use of the estate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So from at least uh, the 1780s to the 1820s, but actually beyond, illicit distilling is going on to an unprecedented level. Every glen in the Highlands has illicit stills in it. There are cases in Strathconnan and Strathglass where there were upwards of 50 operating at a time. The same in Glenlivet. Uh, the sea caves of the West Coast were riddled with illicit stills. The glens were just dominated. It's just an incredible volume, isn't it? And, and that must have both helped landowners in some ways, but also worried them in some ways as well. There was an interesting dynamic where this had the, the seeds of dissent in it. But landowners really benefited from letting it continue. They returned three times higher rents Wow! by having illicit distillers on their lands. That's so not very bad. Important. <laughs> yeah. But the newest addition to the historic environment record is this still at Inverlal. And it was not discovered by me. Uh, it was discovered by you, Andrew, and by Duncan McKenzie. Absolutely. So would you like to tell us a little bit of uh, about how you found it? So this was day three of the, the walkover survey, and um, we'd, we'd had some incredible finds up until that point. So we we decided to go up to the Sheeling site, and, and it was a known site. You know, there, there was a few structures that had been seen by walkers and, and Duncan over the years. And so we, we headed up there just to have a, a little browse around, really, not with great expectations, but there was murmurs amongst the group about, you know, the potential for, for still sites being found. It is kind of the dream, isn't it? it? It goes up there with maybe finding a broadsword on a battlefield or something <laughs> like that, doesn't it? So, you know, we'd, we'd kind of chatted away and joked away about finding a still and how great that would be. So when we were up at the Sheelings, Lachlan, who works for Highland Archaeology Services and is running the, the project from the archaeology side, he was having a chat with the group and Duncan caught my eye and we were both looking in the same direction at the same time to this great outcrop that was above us and I'm a climber so I'm always looking uphill at crags to to find things that look nice to scramble about on not that I was ignoring Lachlan let's put that out there (laughs) (laughs) but we were standing around for a while and the the situation went that Duncan kind of pointed his stick uphill and I kind of looked up and looked at him and kind of nodded away so we we started to walk away and then we realized we should probably take a radio with us just in case we found something interesting and of course on our minds was something like a still we didn't expect to find anything like it though but as we went uphill it got steeper and steeper and part of the reason we were going up there was because of where the main trading route goes so or the main uh, cross-country route effectively um, that goes all the way to Compton eventually. This route goes by um, the, the stream Alt Glen Avadi over the tops of the hills and where it goes over 
it's almost out of sight of the shielding site. Um, that's the point where, you know, it kind of disappears from view. So this north-facing crag, it wasn't much use for anything else. You know, it, it would have been a cold place. And certainly that part of the hillside is, is um, known as a very, very cold place. It's great for ice climbing, for example. But we're talking about Glenlisquib here, or Glenlisquib, pronunciations on a postcard, please. <laughs> so we, we headed uphill and we, we were just looking around. We just went straight up and found it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the thing that I'll probably never get over. Um, it's a great find. We just walked into it. So there was a couple of smaller shielings on the way up and, and a possible spring as well. Um, so there was good water there. But that was lower than the crag itself. When we got to the crag, there was a great gully coming down and into this structure that we found. Just incredible. Myself and Duncan were there alone and we were already talking about stills and illicit things and all of this kind of thing, but without really being able to put our, our money on it, you know? So we radioed, radioed down to the group who were still down at the Sheelings and everyone came up, up the steep hill, um, which I, I think some didn't thank us for. And we we pondered all the other possible options that we could think of at the time. And certainly Lachlan was very good in not getting carried away. And we were, we were talking about the potential this could be a, a store for cheese that had been made. And we were thinking, well, you know, there's other structures that could be for that. And yes, it's against a, a wall on an facing side so it would be cold but you know is is that the ideal use would you want to be taking cheese up this steep hill you know all of these questions kept coming up and the only thing that it looked good for without big questions about whether it was or not was illicit stilling and so we went away with this opinion and it was only an opinion it was there to be debated that this could be i don't know 90 percent 95 percent um an accurate still um and that's when uh it was put online so Ullapool museum have done fantastic things with social media it went onto twitter it went on to tiktok as well what what we'd found on day three a few little bits and pieces and I think that might be how you came across it originally. Is that right? It was, and not because I was being vigilant, actually. <laughs> uh, my uh, my good friend, Corey, uh, had seen it on Twitter and messaged me about it and told me to get in touch. So I did. And uh, this is one of the, the great things about social media is that it was very easy for me to get in touch. There was a small bit of video on Twitter and I I could tell that this was probably illicit still. So you'd basically already seen the site and, and made a, a first judgment on it yeah, from social it, media. Yeah, I, and, and it basically let me know that it was worth going. And, um, you know, it, these can be slightly ephemeral sites. Uh, so it was great for me to go and get the, the sort of landscape context and see the detail of the site. Uh, so that's what I did. And um, I came along with you all in uh, in the summer. It must be in July. That's right. I, I mean, before we go on to that, that that just shows how important social media is in this this modern world of research and also collaboration as well. Because as as I said, we'd gone away from that site with with an opinion that it was an illicit still site, and we we put it out there on social media, but we didn't know for sure. So we we really yeah. needed somebody with your expertise, with your research expertise as well, and background, and and that phenomenal level that you're working at at PhD study to be able to tell us whether we were barking up the wrong tree or not. <laughs> well, and, and you weren't. Uh, so <laughs> it's a really great site. And before I describe the actual site itself, what I'll say is your description there of the road that goes over to content. So many of the sites I study are sites that were originally discovered by the North of Scotland Archaeology Society in Strathconnen. And this is a route that is, is linked to your site by that road. 
and it was a, a very active smuggling thoroughfare mm-hmm. um, right the way from the late 18th century, but actually into quite late dates, well beyond the Excise Act, which was uh, you know, supposedly in many histories ended smuggling in the 1820s. It went on way longer, right into the 1880s and beyond. It's great to have it sitting on this route. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I feel kind of familiar with your site because of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the actual detail of your site is extraordinary, and, and I'm very glad I came to see it, because um, these are archaeologically not the most impressive sites. Uh, you know, we're... It's not a castle, is it? <laughs> no, no, and, and, and often you're lucky to detect one or two internal features. Mm-hmm. Um, your site uh, in Valal has every stage of the distilling process kind of represented uh, apart from the, the kind of the brewing bit but uh mm-hmm. often um often that was nothing more uh, extravagant than a, a tub so I, I remember your reaction to that when when we got there because y- your reaction initially was was to go quite quiet uh, yeah <laughs> and, I, went, I went quiet and, and there was kind of a, yeah. a nervousness <laughs> waiting for you to say something and i do remember you saying this is phenomenal because of that, because you can see all of the stages of yeah. it. And and that is the thing about this site, isn't it? it it's just incredible how it, it could have been used not that long ago, apart from a huge dead tree across yeah. it. Um, and that that's the thing about this site. It, it, it just shows you how these things were used, doesn't it? Yeah, so at your site, you've got a very well-designed uh, still hearth. It's it's still there. It's in, it's in working order. If you pulled out some roots, you could use it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a... The traces of a, uh, a worm. We're not there. saying that you should use an illicit still tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> but if you do, please let us know. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and another thing that's remarkable, as you say, is that there is a sort of a gully that runs into this site. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, archaeologically, I mean, these sites are always near water, but uh, we like to see evidence of uh, of water being brought directly into still sites. And it, it didn't it's always the, happen. It's the income of water, isn't it? Yeah. It's really, really important. And, and in fact, you have a basically a drain, what appears to be a drain going through this site but it's not all perfectly defined which mm-hmm. is why the project we hope is going to go further yes and uh, go as far as excavating this site well this is incredibly important isn't it so the the significance of this site is is just phenomenal not only on its own but also in terms of the wider project as well we're talking about one of the biggest townships in the north of scotland of its period we are yet to define its period because we know that there are, are ancient elements of it, mm-hmm. um, multiple thousands of years potentially. Um, but what we also know is that it was cleared in 1819, 1820. And it's, it's that kind of knowledge of the way illicit stilling was developing at the point of clearance that is very important for this, this illicit still site. So we currently need to find out far more about this this still site. So from from your perspective, um, could you date this just by looking at it right now? Well, they're very difficult sites to date. And uh, we can take a start date from somewhere in the 1780s because there was no reason for distilling to go underground. But mm-hmm. we know this is a clandestine site. It's, it's semi-subterranean. It's built in such a way that it can observe but not be observed. It's, it's yes. a fantastic site. There were discus- discoveries of illicit stills in the Little Loch Broom area, for yes. instance, in the 1910s. Mm-hmm. So you you could potentially have a couple of ye- hundred years where this still could fit in any of them, or indeed across a lot of it. That's incredible, isn't it? It yeah. is incredible. And, yeah. and uh, you know, there, there are there's a potential to uncover various types of datable evidence yeah. from a site like this. And uh, you can learn a lot more. But, uh, you know, there are a few things we can tell already. And one is that this was a significant site. 
there, there, there are sites this size in Strathconnen and Russia that were raided and were selling, well, making as much as 200 bottles of whiskey. Wow. So this is a huge investment. It's incredibly economically important to the people of, of your area. And so it also tells you a lot about their agency. Well, that's the thing. And the potential output of this place is huge. It could be a such a small site. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, a, in tough times, like the, the clearances were, uh, for instance, these were lifelines for communities. And people, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of overt resistance to mm-hmm. things like the clearances. So one of the things that we need to understand more about with illicit distilling, were people resisting through persisting in the landscape? Wow, yes. Um, that's why digging is, is so, so important. So the, the great news is that the, the first of three big digs on, on this site, um, on the whole of the Inverlal site, begins in October. And then hopefully the illicit still will be part of the digs that, that happen into the spring of 2022 or even beyond, because the, this project looks like it's going to grow and grow and grow. And hats off to, to Ullapool Museum for pulling this project together and, and making it They've done it an work. amazing job. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much, and uh, it's been great to talk to you. It's been fantastic to talk to you too, and and get that insight on the illicit still. Thank you so much. Thank you. Highland Objects is brought to you by Expo North Heritage, which is supported by Museums and Heritage Highland, Museums Gallery Scotland, Creative Scotland, Highlands and Islands Enterprise, and Historic Environment Scotland.